Hello everyone, how's it going? It's Flobo Boys, and this is Flobo Saw It on Netflix. It's the after show for those Netflix shows that need after shows. You know, from the deep and from the very bottom of my heart, thank you for checking out this show and all the other shows in the Flobito Network. I don't have a cool name for it. Um, you can check those out over at the YouTube channel. This show, uh, Flobo Saw It on Netflix. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Boys, you get access to this particular show two weeks early so i mean that alone should be a send if you to check it out but all the good content is there uh at patreon.com slash flobo boys flobos on netflix episode three you know i always try to to get on my own my list i have the long queue you know the one that you're like oh man when i have time i'll get to it when i have some downtime i'll check it out and i realized sometimes movies can stay in my queue for a long long time i have not yet finished my star trek retrospective but i can tell you about a documentary that lasted exactly six hours and my list, and that's today's episode, it was The Black Godfather. Even though the documentary was released in 2019, the Netflix original, which also features uh, Netflix COO Ted Sarandos. Uh, he was actually one of the subjects in uh, the, the piece. Um, but it uh, had a bit of a resurgence in 2020. For some cultural background, uh, June 2020, there was... Uh, to put it lightly, or maybe an understatement, some civil unrest in this country, United States, especially when it comes to the treatment of black lives and whether or not they matter. And uh, Netflix maybe did a proactive thing. Some say, some say pandering, but I say the former proactive thing by uh, grouping together some films about black subjects, uh, black black heroes, uh, into the Black Lives Matter collection. So even though this documentary came out in 2019, uh, there's a whole slew of people that watched this film a little bit earlier this year. Maybe it'll come late to the party, but uh, I still don't, don't think it detracts anything from this. The Black Godfather takes a look uh, at the life and times of a Clarence Avant, someone who was famous, but not quite. I mean, he's not a kind of person who's flashy. Uh, you can't drop his name in a rhyme and no one knows what he means, or what you mean by that. But here is somebody who was so influential so important for what he does uh, that everyone has something positive to say. And in fact, this story, this documentary is framed over him getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's kind of like the little pretense, little the bare bone skeleton, but it goes back to his life. It goes how he got started. And then it has his journey from being someone who was kind of like a yes guy to this uh, individual who had connections, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mob talk is what I'm saying, but using his talent for good. And we go a little bit more into that in just a second, but for overall thoughts about this, uh, one, I didn't realize the reach this individual had. I mean, there are people in this documentary, Jamie Foxx is in it, Puffy's in it. I mentioned Ted Sarandos former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, former president of the United States, Barack Obama, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, vice presidential candidate as of this uh, recording. Just, I mean, it just it boggles the mind. Ludicrous. They found ludicrous for this. I mean, wow. Uh, about this one individual that kind of got into a certain situation of managing talent, 
But that evolving into brokering deals in Hollywood, and that evolved into working in the political arena, and they seem disparate, but the film does make a good point to bring it all together. Of course, uh, if you haven't noticed already, this and all the episodes of Football Saw on Netflix, spoilers, bro. Uh, just before I even get into the actual plot beats, I just want to take a time out here to give a bit of props to the title design, the graphics, if you will. Um, it was pretty interesting how they really tried to underscore the kind of six degrees or four degrees or two degrees separation that Avon had with all these different people. In fact, uh, most images or most people are showing a map, almost like a conspiracy theorist map you would see like in a crime film, in a, in a good way. And you would have them surrounded by, I guess, spokes, these circular spokes. And when a relationship is underscored, that line will go out and connect to that other part. So on one surface, you're thinking, oh, it's literally showing you the line of connection of what this is. But then when you, when you take a step back on it, the spokes around each individual kind of twists and turns like a combination lock. And then when Clarence works his magic or when someone talks about how Clarence works his magic, it kind of like locks into place, like the right combination. And the line goes out to the next subject. I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was uh, pretty awesome. If you guys don't know anything about me, I, I even though... Uh, I am a film school graduate, and I can sit here and, and wax poetic about directing and cinematography and and acting and, and sound design. I, I've become such a fan of title design. Uh, for a while, it was like a lost art. For a while, it felt like it was ignored, but it's coming back with a resurgence. In fact, I would argue that's one of the best parts about a James Bond film. You had your plot, you had your action, you had your villains and heroes, but I would watch and see what would the title design be of, of this particular thing. So one of my favorite title designs, besides Casino Royale, some of my favorite movies of all time, was Quantum of Solace with the sand and all that. So back to this, seeing how they found a way to really show the relationships that Clarence Avon had with people, how complex it can be. Uh, remember, the one that really blew my mind, I actually stopped the film and went back a couple times was relationship between him, uh, his talent he was managing one time, his friend being a documentary filmmaker of the Cleveland Browns, getting a call from the owner of the Browns saying, hey, look, we wanted to make this documentary about the Cleveland Browns, but but one of our players doesn't want to be in it. And Clarence go over there and grease the wheels and promise, you know, the Jim, the Jim Brown uh, roles in movies as kind of like to get him in this documentary. And it's, it's cool. You know, it's it's very, I don't want to say sexy, but there was a time in, in the mid-2010s where everyone wanted to be fixers, you know? Scandal, Olivia Pope, or Ray Donovan from Ray Donovan. And, and Avon's actually doing it. But it was not, nothing ever sinister. It was never like, what can I do to get myself over? In fact, many times in the film, other subjects would say, Yo, how is he getting paid? Or like he's not doing it just to dangle success over our heads. He just wants to be a force for good. And that is a theme that runs through it. That's what I thought was the most inspiring thing. Cause I will be honest with you, this was not going to be an episode of Flobo Star on Netflix. I was just watching it for fun. But you see, as an entertainer, right, we always I, I always get into the whole thought process of you see people who make it big, who make it big by being ruthless and cutthroat and you know, it gets 
romanticized as having the killer instinct or, or being a go-getter. And uh, even though we're raised in, in the house to be considerate and compassionate and put others before self, especially for a minority or a woman or in a, from a religious uh, background or household, and what would Jesus do, what would Allah do, that kind of thing. Uh, it's cool to see someone doing it for absolute good. Uh, the idea is that, hey, look, I was given this opportunity. I was just a, a black man from the South where someone took a chance, maybe for his own nefarious reasons, maybe for his own cynical reasons. Uh, it was alluded that uh, his first gig came from having a black person manage black talent, and that was kind of like being uh, installed there. But here's someone that learned how to make deals, that learned how to grease the wheels, that learned to leverage things that people wanted, but it was never quite for his own gain. I'm, I'm sure he made a couple of dollars here and there. I don't really know. I mean, he, he was a snazzy dresser. But, but rather, there was political candidates that were new and fresh in the arena that can go to Avon and say, what do I do? They were actors and rappers that were in legal trouble that can call them and say, what should I do? Uh, when President Obama, or now he's former President Obama, but at the time, Senator Obama got a chance to speak at the 2004 Democratic National Convention, and which was a fantastic opportunity for a young rising senator but he was like past pushed aside and, and not even in prime time. One phone call got him in front of the most eyes in prime time. And that can say, I remember that growing up where in 2004 people were like, who's this young kid, Barack, and where did he come from? This may be the future of the Democratic Party. And to think that that wasn't a possibility if he didn't get the chance to bring his talent to the platform. You see, that kind of is inspiring in its own back way. There's so many of us that are talented as creative, so many of us that are good at so much things, we wonder, when is our time, you know? When is it going to be our opportunity? When is it going to be someone giving us the break? And maybe we're not going to find our own clarence. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe that's just something that we, we think about when we, uh, you know, close our eyes and try to be Pollyanna about it. But for, to watch individuals get that opportunity, it kind of goes, hey, if I don't get it myself, if I do get it from other way, I'm gonna make sure to pay it forward when I can. And I think in my notes here, I was I was watching it. One of my favorite lines uh, was was from uh, Carlos um, Clarence Avon. He goes, "I don't have problems. I have friends." Like what? That is like something a, a fictional character would say, but it's true. Like every time a situation came up, uh, especially at a time when there was a little bit of a hiccup in the story, where he went bankrupt for a bit which i i really thought this would have been a linear praise all story but there was some hardship in there uh he got a couple loans from some friends and, and his friends were really didn't have any like things to gain it was more like hey you're a nice guy you've been nice to us you've always sh shot straight and there was no bs now you want help so let us help you and gave him the loan to keep him afloat when he had to sell the radio station and dissolve Sussex and all that stuff. So, like, to me, that's, that's awesome, too. Because, you know, if he were that cutthroat person and got the legs cut out from under him, I could imagine the, the people laughing or would be laughing on the way down. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird because the movie doesn't try to go out of its way to tell you what to feel. But these are the things I'm drawing for it. 
Now, I didn't realize the connection between Waiting for Sugar Man, another documentary you should probably check out if you haven't already, and this one, saying, hey, look, there's some redemption for Sixto Rodriguez, uh, that people are familiar with his work now. A lot of stuff, and I learned so much about, about um, music, like musical acts that I had forgotten about. Like As a DJ, I would say I'm lucky. You know, there's, everyone knows Bill Withers, and he features pretty heavily in this piece. But there's a lot of artists that kind of get lost in the ether of time. And there were probably hits or there are probably songs you would hear about and go, oh, yeah, I remember that song. But you're not thinking them actively. Like, I'll give you a personal example. My favorite movie of all time, and I'm cracking up when I say this because I always get so much flack for it, is Men in Black. Uh, but the song from that movie is the, the song that Will Smith sings. Here comes the man in black. You know, uh, that is a sample from Forget Me Nots, right? From Patricia Russian, Patrice Russian. Um, and, and I've been a fan of her music because of that song, because of, hey, I want to hear the original. Oh, wow, this is really amazing. But like some of the artists I, I had plum forgot about. I mean, we're looking at uh, Dennis Coffey was another one, the Gallery Band, uh, the, the SOS band to take your time to it right and can do it babe like these are songs that once I heard a couple bars I'm like oh wow this is ingrained in my head also you know as creative people I think I'm a creative I think the real goal is to create stuff that lasts you know I didn't want to come up with a web, web comic or a, a punchline or a joke that disappears or people go oh yeah but like do you think of something like Harry Potter or the, the, the Tesla or the Tesla design, I mean, or the Polaroid, like creating things that last is like the ultimate, like, thank you. I'm not saying the SOS band is the biggest band of all time, but being on that team and, and, and facilitating the right producers with the right band to create a song that gets to be in the American songbook, it's just, pfft, it's really dope. It's really dope. Um, you know, the subject himself, Yvonne, is very analytical. Uh, it gets played up for humor because he says uh, life is nothing but a number a couple times. You come in with a number, you leave with one, birth certificates, death certificates, social security numbers and all that. It's fine. You know, I think that you got to, the ones are successful have a little bit of both. You know, we're creatives, but we always have that logical thing like, oh, wow, it's been a day since I worked on this or here's my schedule to work on my craft. And so I look, it's cool to see the balance work for other people's. But the really big takeaway here is that you can exact change without being in the spotlight. You can really influence and inspire others without jumping on a soapbox, opening an Instagram account and saying, guys, I'm an influencer now. Living by example, leading by example, I mean, can't say it won't come without hardship, but everything kind of, it pays dividends. There was a, a line about being children of Avon, and, and I think it, it says a lot that there's someone that inspires so many other people that they think of that as kind of like a godfather or a father type. Um, all in all, the, the documentary is two hours, but it gave me a lot to think, and it rolls pretty quickly. I mean, it, it, it clips by, but it gives me a lot to think about. It really does. You know, getting a chance from someone outside of your circle, uh, taking that, running with it, and then doing things you're afraid of, doing things that challenging you, how do you overcome adversity, 
how do you not waver from your original opportunity? And there's some good friendships in there. You know, there's Quincy Jones walks by. Even Bill Withers, where it doesn't look like they're in a big friendship relationship since they're falling out. There is loads of respect uh, from an individual that is just not willing to BS or lie or cheat or steal or to make it all about themselves. I recommend it. Um, as far as documentaries go, I'll say it's a 7.5 out of 10. The, the, the title design really helps out. The visual aids really helps out. The stock footage really helps out this piece. Uh, again, it's only about two hours, a little less than, like an hour and 55 minutes. So it's something you can watch on a, well, Saturday, Sunday afternoons when I usually watch my documentaries. But I think I watched this one on like a, a Monday at two o'clock in the afternoon. But it was great. It was great. I'll probably watch it again uh, just to see if there's any other like music cues or, or any kind of like uh, uh, people in the background of shots and frames. I go, oh, wait, that's the guy who was in that song back a couple years ago. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the the movie is called The Black Godfather, produced by Reggie Hudlin, uh, which if you don't know Reggie Hudlin, he is one of the more influential producers out there. And um, just one more thought about it. As a fan of the great state, great sport of baseball, it was it warmed my heart about the Aaron Hank Aaron situation, about how someone was threatened with, with death for being successful in what they do, and not only got the reassurance, but got paid to really be able to practice his craft comfortably. I mean, like I said, Hank Aaron's given more money with his charities than he ever got playing baseball, and he is part of the American story of the sport. Even though the sport is changing all the time, uh, I really thought that it was cool that it, it was a whole new area for Clarence, but it worked out as much as it did for politics or for for music or for movies or for board meetings or for that E.T. album with Michael Jackson. So check it out. I recommend it. This is Flobo Sawed on Netflix, available on YouTube. But if you're a Patreon subscriber, join the boisterous crew at patreon.com slash You get access two weeks early through all the episodes and the Flobo Saw It on Netflix uh, pantheon. This is episode three. Try and do about two a month, you know, maybe more. If you guys want to see anything in particular, let me know what you think. Let me know if I should expand the TV shows, if I should do it by episode, if I should do it by series and overall thoughts or impressions. Hit me up over on social media, at Boys on Twitter, at Boys on Instagram, or at Flobito on Instagram. And the website is flobito.com. I'll be back next time with a new show, preferably a Netflix original, but if not, I'll let you know, because this says Hobo, saw it on Netflix.